Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of Leverage 2 Market Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to our latest episode of Marketing Thought Leadership. We're here today with Lisa Stromberg, who is an award-winning journalist, a sought-after speaker, and CEO and founder of Prism Work, a culture innovation consultancy. In her new book, Work, Pause, Thrive, How to Pause for Parenthood Without Killing Your Career, she reveals how trailblazing women have disrupted the traditional career paradigm to achieve both their personal and their professional goals. And she tells us with a, a, a blue, she gives us a blueprint for how we too can integrate kids with our careers. So welcome, Leeson. Thank you. It's so great to be here, Linda. So tell me about this book because it, it's doing really well. I know that it's just come out a couple of months ago. Um, you interviewed 186 women and you surveyed almost 1,500 more women about how they navigated work and family. And what did you learn? What were the big ahas there? Well, you know, just to back up and sort of what inspired me, Lean In came out and Cheryl Sandberg just sparked a movement, some really great and exciting conversations around, you know, how women can be successful. How can we bridge the leadership gap? But when that came out, so many young women approached me and said, how do I do it? I don't think I can have kids in careers and so on and so forth. And I said, actually, I believe you can. And let me go out on a journey to prove that you can so I ended up, as you said, interviewing 186 women, and I surveyed 1,500 more, and I was astounded to learn that 72% of the women I spoke to and surveyed had actually paused their careers. And when I say pause, what I mean is had either downshifted to work part-time or on a reduced schedule or had completely left the paid workforce completely. So, you know, and this is not the narrative we hear. We hear this kind of drive, you know, career ladder, march, 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 your way to the top. And yet what I learned is that that was actually not what most women are doing. They're creating and innovating their own nonlinear career paths to the top, and that's the message that I'm trying to convey and that the research showed us. That's fantastic. And it, it's interesting because I know certainly a couple of decades ago when I was having, having a child and, and in the workforce, there didn't seem to be an option. You know, it was like, go do it, take your, your leave, come back, and get on a plane and do what needs to be done. So it, it's interesting that not only women are doing it, but you've also found that downshifting temporarily or pausing your career doesn't necessarily kill your career. So tell us more about that. Well, let's be clear. If you're out for 10 or 15 years, which a number of the women I interviewed were, it can derail your career. And so what these women had done, I found, the ones who were out for extended periods of time, they faced flexibility bias, motherhood bias, and ideal worker bias. And that's, of course, the, the worker that you're mentioning, the one who can be all in all of the time, the one who has you know, no home obligations to worry about because they have someone at home magically doing all the stuff, right? Right. That silent partner. But the reality is that's just not where people's careers are. And so these women were forced to innovate. They didn't opt out. Many of them told me that they felt they were shoved out by an, an, you know, an intolerant workplace. So what they're doing, smart workplaces now are recognizing, okay, wait a minute, we don't want to lose these, this mid-career talent. All these women are so capable. What's going on here? And so they're creating innovative solutions. They're doing things like 
They're creating meaningful paid parental leave. They're actually encouraging men to take paternity leave. They're creating flexible options. They're doing remote work, you know, opportunities. And they're actually creating return-to-work internships for the women who've been out for an extended period of time. The point is they're thinking beyond the narrative that you and I grew up in, that, you know, lockstep career ladder path. And I think that's so important, absolutely, because it's this whole idea that one size fits all and this is what we need to do just doesn't work. We see that in life in general, whether it's how people learn, how people uh, advance their careers, et cetera. Uh, but tell me a little bit about, um, about advocating for women to pause their careers. Is this what you're saying, that we should take time to pause our careers, that we shouldn't? I mean, what, what, exact, what kind of advice are you giving to people here? Well, it's a really great question. I have no agenda in that. Okay. I, would never tell, I would never tell anyone what they should do. I think each of us have to take in our personal circumstances and figure out what's right for us. What I am, however, here to say is workplaces have to recognize and employers have to recognize that women generally have a different career model. We can't follow the traditional model that was, frankly, established around having a spouse at home, and it's traditionally a male model. Um, we can't do it because it doesn't work for us. We still bear the burden of being the primary parent, whether we're working full-time or not. We still bear those burdens of being the primary caregiver of the house, whether we're working full-time or not. So the truth of the matter is women are forced to create these nonlinear paths. They're forced to downshift for a period of time. But that doesn't mean that we can't be great contributors to the workplace. And that doesn't mean that if, in fact, we do do that, we can't reengage and rock it. And so this is sort of the message that I would like to convey, is to help employers see, oh, okay, we've got a leadership gap issue, and there's all this great mid-career talent who's been out for a year, two, three, five. Let's get them back in. Let's get them up to speed, and let's have them rock it right back up to the top. So many incredible CEOs, senior talent leaders, they're starting to recognize that this is an opportunity for them to fill the pipeline to leadership in a really fast way. And so um, it's just a reframing of how we look at women's careers versus men's careers. I think that's so fascinating because, yeah, you're right. We've, we've tried for so long. I remember in the old days we, we actually dressed up like men. Right? We had our oh, God, yes. Our, remember that? Yeah, we tried to look as much like men as we could, and it didn't work because we're not. Uh, and, you know, we've, and we've tried the opposite, too, which is like we're not going to do anything men do, and that doesn't work either. So we have no, to come up with something that, that's sort of um, in between, right? It's sort of where are we and, and, and what can we do and how can we add value? Um, and you talk in your book about Gen X women, who I think are, are really probably the ones today really facing this the most, that they're the canaries in the coal mine. Um, they're the ones that are showing us the challenges, and they're the ones that are having uh, caregiving responsibilities. So tell me a little bit about that. What do you see as kind of the, some of the key challenges that these women are facing and their employers? Well, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, here's the reality. Look, if you have an ideal worker model, which is what our American work at will workplace is built on, right, then you have this concept that the person can be in all the time, you know, in all the time, fully available whenever, right? But that's just not reality for the American mother. The American mother actually has responsibilities for her children. Oftentimes they've got parents to care for as well. Right. They've got, you know, all of this, you know, the house to care for. They're still leading that. And even when they have partners that are contributing as much, there's new research that shows that women are actually still thinking about it, whether they've got equal partnerships, someone doing the dishes with them as well, they're still worrying about it in a way that, that just can impede our success, right? 
So if that's the reality, then we need to be thinking, how, what does our work structure look like? What can we do? And how can we create an environment where, yeah, you might need to be all in right now, but next time you can pull back a little bit and it's okay. Your career is not derailed. Your career can still rock it and thrive. So look, if you look at, and, and I, I like to say this isn't a women's issue, although you and I are talking about women and how women's careers can thrive. This is really a business issue, right? So all the research out of McKinsey and every other place is showing us that, in fact, when we have a gender-diverse workforces, we actually see greater success over the long term in the bottom line to the company. Uh, gender-diverse boards, gender-diverse senior leadership, gender-diverse teams, all of them create better products and have better bottom line, right? But we still have this huge issue because we have women who are saying, I'm the canary in the coal mine. The workplace is intolerable. We, are, we know women are facing unconscious and conscious bias, overt and, you know, not so overt sexual, you know, derogatory comments, et cetera, et cetera. We know there's a, pay, a wage gap, a pay equity gap. We also know there's tons of research out of Stanford that tells us then when women are mothers in the workplace, they're viewed as less capable, less promotable, less leadership, and they are specifically paid less than their non-parenting peers, both men and women. So if you're facing all of those hardships and then you add onto that the burden of, or the benefit as the case may be, of having these children and these families that you want to care for, something's got to give. And so we, the canaries in the coal mine, say, it's a toxic work environment. I am out of here, and I'm going to innovate my own path because that is not acceptable to me. And that's what we're seeing women do. But here's the message, Linda, that I want to make sure your listeners hear, which is we're going to see this, and we're seeing it already with millennials. 64 million millennials are about to become parents in the next decade, right? What do we know about millennials? They value time over money, and they value relationships over lockstep marching careers to the top. They've been very clear about that. A study out of Ernst & Young revealed, just recently revealed that white-collar millennial men, fathers specifically, were more likely to take a pay cut, pass on a promotion, or change jobs so they could get better work-life balance. This isn't a women's issue. This is a business issue. I think that's really important, and, and as certainly I was going to ask you about millennials, but as we, as we look at the whole change to a younger, you know, different generation, things of values are changing as well. So you and I are both marketers, and you work with mm-hmm. the 3% Project, which helps kind of raise the visibility of, of the lack of women in advertising, marketing, et cetera, in key roles. What can we do as marketers to help change some of these perceptions? Well, let me start with what marketers are doing for the advertising industry. Okay. So when I joined, um, when I you know, took on 3% as my key client, <laughs> 3% refers to the number of women who lead creative teams in advertising. So, you know, much like engineers in tech, at the creative teams are what do all the brilliant creative, right? Right. It was shocking for us to learn that only 3% of leaders are women. It's actually, since that was five years ago, it's now up to 11%. So we're seeing some quick changes pretty fast. Wow. It's very conscious That's excellent. effort there. They don't face the same pipeline issues that tech does. We have 50% of women at the entry level. It just veers up to 11% top. But the research we discovered in our industry is that, on average, 39% of women are mothers. Now, if you look at college-educated women overall in this country, about 80 to 81% are mothers. So basically half of them, right? That's a huge gap, right? So we're saying, wait a minute, something's going on here. But what's, so we know that there's that issue. Meanwhile, marketers, brand, you know, CMOs from 
HP, Verizon, General Mills, <laughs> excuse me, they're saying, wait a minute, I want to work with creative teams that are 50-50 because my clients, my decision makers, the women are the ones who are making 85% of decisions in this country for purchasing items, purchasing products, even business decisions. So as a result, marketers are realizing the best way I can make change and influence my marketing is to have creative teams that are actually representative of the purchasers out there. So they're demanding that the agencies actually make change. So the number one thing a marketer can do to actually make change is to insist that their agencies are 50-50. And that we'll see huge differences. We'll see differences in the way women are depicted in media. We'll see differences in the way media is created. Huge changes can be had just with that alone. You know, it's funny because this whole idea that, that products for women are being uh, creatively uh, put together and promoted by men just doesn't make any sense. But you think, I, I think about back to an old ad for palm olive where the woman is sitting at the nail stylist and she's soaking your hand in palm olive and says, oh, my God, yes. palm olive, oh, you know, it, it makes your hands look good. Who ever thought of that? <laughs> that, ha- that could not be a woman. So, um, you know, you think Remember about the Anjali this- commercial? Yeah, yeah, you know, all Bring of Bring the things. bacon, slide up in the pan. <laughs> yeah. Really? All of these things that you're saying, oh, wow, who thought of those? And now we go back and we find that it wasn't, and it's not just women. It's you've got to have a diverse population. You can't have a an all-white uh, creative team trying to appeal to a Hispanic audience or any audience of color. Um, you know, so you've got to have uh, people who represent the clients and uh, and the customers so that you understand what they're doing. And this gets back to something I talk about in my book, Marketing Above the Noise, which you've got to go back to knowing your customer first. And if you know your exactly. customer first and you understand them and you think about them, then you think about your fact that your customers are facing these same things. Your customers are – and, in fact, I would think as a marketing possibility, the idea of, um, of ways to save time and to allow women to be more effective in the workplace is a wonderful area for products and services to come along. Well, it's not just creating products for women, right? It's literally it's for parents, it's what we yeah. don't know. Right. We're swimming in water – right now, but we're fishes that don't realize we're swimming in water. How, and we don't even know how toxic the water is. Wouldn't it be great to be in an environment where we're all contributing and thriving? We don't even know what products could be created. We don't know what solutions could be out there because we're not even engaging in those conversations, right? right. So I think there's opportunity for huge disruption around this to really be thinking out of the box. That's fantastic. So if you could give one piece of advice to employers based on what you've seen and based on what you, you found in your surveys, your, your book, the reaction to people who've heard about the book, what would you tell employers as they're trying to figure this out and they're trying to attract and retain and promote the best employees, both women and men, moving forward? Well, it's hard to give one, one answer, right? I like to give three. Which okay. Is, first, let's start with check your bias. There's a lot of work being done around unconscious bias, but a lot of work isn't being done around um, unconscious bias around caregiving and specifically motherhood bias. Uh It absolutely permeates our workplaces. It's in everything we do. And I say caregiving bias rather than motherhood bias because this can be women who don't have children that have to take care of parents. It can be men who are single fathers who have to take care of it. So I don't want to presume it's just mothers. But I think we really have this bias against caregiving and against the quote-unquote distractions of work. If we can reframe how we view our relationship to our talent and understand that our talent is our best attribute 
and that we need to nurture and support them as they see fit. That's one way to do it, and part of that is understanding our own biases around that. So that's one thing. The second thing I would say is look at your programs and policies. Are you on the cutting edge and doing it, doing all the things you could? What's your maternity leave? What's your paternity leave? What kind of flexibility are you offering? Are you a work-at-will employer, which means you expect an ideal worker, and is that actually impeding your ability to attract and retain, and retain women particularly? What do your recruiting policies look like? How are you actually handling trying to get women in? I can't tell you how many women have told me I can't get through the door. The robo, you know, the robo LinkedIn system that you know, right. sends a resume into the void, that harms people with resume gaps. Well, yep. if you want diversity, you're not, you need to figure out how to get beyond that. And so that's a real issue as well, is that those, looking at how you recruit, how you actually retain employees couldn't be more important right now. Great. That's fantastic. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. Uh, and if we wanted to find out more about you and your book and the work you're doing, where could people go for more information? Well, thanks for asking. They can go to my website, uh, www.leesonstromberg.com. That's L-I-S-E-N-S-T-R-O-M-B-E-R-G.com. They can find the book, Work, Pause, Thrive, How to Pause Your Parents Without Killing Your Career on Amazon um, and in your book, local bookstore. And um, they can follow me on Twitter, at Leeson Stromberg. Fantastic. And Instagram and Facebook and everything else. <laughs> okay. They've been talking here with Lisa Stromberg, who is the author of Work, Pause, Thrive, How to Pause for Parenthood Without Killing Your Career. Thank you, Lisa, and it's been a pleasure having you. Thanks for having me, Linda. Okay. Thanks very much. Until next time, this is Linda Popke. Thank you for listening to Marketing Thought Leadership. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership, brought to you by Leverage 2 Market Associates. If you'd like to find out how powerful marketing results can transform your organization, Contact us at www.leverage2market.com.